and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Amen, everybody. This is Brother Frank, and welcome to another episode of the Remnant Call. Glad to have you here with me, and uh, just excited about tonight's uh, program. We got Brother Benjamin Brew coming on, and uh, it's going to be an exciting episode. And if you're wondering what has happened in the last uh, few weeks with the Remnant Call, I know we've had kind of some spotty uh, episodes because of, uh, well, I'll just give you this. Uh, three, I think it was when we had David Murray's episode, Blog Talk literally held the episode hostage. And then after that, uh, holding it hostage, I think I finally got the episode we recorded back almost three or four days later. They would not release it. Then after that, um, finally got it edited for the following week. There was some noise on the other side of the, the program. And uh, so I had to edit it out. It was coming from uh, Brother David's side, and I, I couldn't get it down very much. I got it as best I could. And, you know, the devil just, I guess, didn't want the show to be. But you know what? We got it anyways. And then last week, I was gone out of town, and, you know, life just happened. But I am sorry. We are back full force ready and um, excited because I have learned, and I'm going to share this with you next week. Um, this has been a hard week for me. I've had some bad news happen, but it reminded me this week of why we are here sharing the good news. And I'm going to share with you uh, next week uh, what took place and um, because God has a calling and the time is now. And if it's not now, then when? When, when do we finally reach out and say something? When do we finally tell our neighbor, hey, this is the time? When do we let fear stop dictating our lives and actually tell somebody that Jesus Christ can save their life? And forget about the consequences. What's the worst they're going to say in this country? No. Yeah, in some countries you get shot. But right here for right now, you can still do it. And we need to tell the people openly. Without fear, Jesus Christ is coming. Well, I am going to bring on our guest tonight, Brother Benjamin Brook. He is here with us. Benjamin, are you on the show? I hope so. Amen. Hey, brother. Amen. Praise the Lord. I thought I lost the phone number. Actually, I did, but I scrambled around and found it. How are you? I, I, I resent it ASAP when I saw you hit my cell phone, so I figured that's what happened. <laughs> well, thank so. you. Praise God. Benjamin, um, tonight's show, uh, The Church of Laodicea, I know we were talking earlier today, and boy, um, we've basically got the Sodom and Gomorrah. The the wicked have been blinded, and they're still clamoring for the door. I mean, that's the kind of society that we're in right now. It, 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 it doesn't, there's no end to the depths for which we will go. Uh, in order to advance the kingdom of hell anymore, I do not believe in this earth. 
And it's interesting, Benjamin, we were talking about it's not always what's outside the church that's the scariest. It's what's in, brother. I, I don't, you know, you know, you've seen first some of the comments we get in the emails. You wonder, are these people really believe in the same God we're talking about? Because I've never heard anything in the scripture about him that describes him like they are. Brother, I know you get those emails all the time. Yeah. Well, Frank, it is hard to comprehend the level of wickedness now manifesting. And it's not just right before our eyes. Frank, it's everywhere. You know, the news I read today, a man had been convicted and is going to be sentenced to prison for making a comment, uh, I believe this was in Canada or Australia, I don't recall which country, that a, a man who had dressed up as a woman was still biologically a man. And that's now a hate crime. That's illegal. You know, the truth is about to become illegal in the empire of lies. And it, it's incredible. You know, who could have dreamed it would get this insane? And, and yet, we're not done. Until the Lord puts a stop to this, it's going to wax worse and worse by the day. Benjamin, it reminds me of just how literal the Word of God is being fulfilled. Things that in the past were seemed so only maybe spiritual, I find now that the Bible is so literal at the same time that it's just... It's really going to be just that bad. And, brother, I'm, could you open us up with a word of prayer tonight? We're going to need it because I know it's going to, the Lord can do something tonight in this show. Amen. Amen. Praise you. Praise you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, that even though the world is spinning out of control and the, the waves are, are lifting up their voice, the nations are roaring, the confusion of Babylon led the world to a place of utter despair and, and yet the nations are preparing for war and the people are literally losing their minds Lord you've called your people to a place of peace and of rest and of quiet for their soul so tonight Lord I pray that you would bless this program that your spirit would move that the word of truth would come forth and that the hearts and the ears of the listeners would be touched. Lord, that your people would be set free, that you would remove the burden from off of our shoulders, and that you would loose us from anything that might still be binding us, that your remnant, which is going to be leaving the kingdom of the beast very soon, that your remnant would be free to go. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen, Amen, brother. Well, Benjamin, just kicking this off the night, and I'm going to turn it over to you. Just the church of Laodicea, there's just one thing that sticks out in my mind. And I, and I feel like this is the overlying symptom problem that's going on in the churches today. Is that the church in Laodicea, it wasn't that they were only lukewarm that they were blind, poor, and naked, and they didn't even see it. They had no idea. 
They literally thought they were clothed. They thought everything was good, and they were completely naked. Brother, that is the symptom that we see so much going on right now. Yeah, it's astonishing how easily we can be deceived and how readily we are to deceive ourselves. And uh, that is the condition of humanity, Frank. And we all have to be on guard against those deceptions. And, you know, the antidote to deception is the truth. And Jesus told us, you know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Until we've been honest with ourselves, and we've honestly examined our own hearts, under the light of the Holy Spirit, we too could be walking among the many that are absolutely convinced. You know, this is the generation that is absolutely convinced that it's right. And there's a thousand different versions of the deception, but every one of those people absolutely persuaded that what they're doing, which is right in their own eyes, is also the only thing that is right in the eyes of God. And the vast majority of them are all in deception. So, yeah, it's a challenge. Amen. Well, praise God. Yeah, the Church of Laodicea, Frank, you and I were talking earlier, and you said, hey, can you come on tonight? And the Lord had already told me I was going to be on the program tonight, so I was kind of waiting for the phone call. (laughs) But I had no idea. I mean, I've been really working uh, on finishing, and I'm getting close to finishing Search the Scriptures, Volume 4, I Am the Door, Brother, I'm getting excited because I printed out the first half of the book and I read it last night and I'm telling you, I cannot wait to finish this and to get this book out so that I can read it for the first time. And I know a number of listeners are waiting as well and and um, I'm just so excited because the Lord is again moving. He waited a good long time to begin the second half of, of the Search the Scriptures series, but... I think things are going to move fast now, so I'm excited, and praise God. I'm also a little bit tired, Frank, because I've been working. When God has me work on these books, he really, I mean, it's pedal to the metal, you know. Benjamin's up till 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning, and back up, you know, rising early yet again. And, you know, I'm probably in the Word and, and, and in prayer or working on the book. I don't even know. I mean, 16 hours a day. You know, that's all I'm doing right now. And so when you call them, like, I have no idea what to talk about because there's been so much that really has been, I've been getting blown away by the things I'm finding in the Scriptures, Frank. I mean, it's astonishing what's in the Word of God. And the more that I spend the time in the Hebrew text and looking at the context of the Word from the fuller definition of the Hebrew Scriptures, Frank, it's astonishing. We're going to get into some of it tonight, because we're going to talk about the Church of Laodicea. We're also going to talk about the Church of the Remnant, because they are a contrast. You couldn't get a greater contrast than the last day's Laodicean church, and then the remnant of God that will be delivered in this hour. But we're going to start with the the scriptures dealing with Laodicea. But I want to, the very first thing I want to share with everybody is... 
um, maybe this was a week ago, I don't remember exactly, but the Lord spoke to me and he said, I'm going to remove the burden from off of your shoulders. And that's exactly what God said of Joseph. I took the burden off of his shoulders. The Lord delivered Joseph from his heavy burden. And, and as God said that to me, I opened the scriptures and the Bible opened to Jeremiah chapter 40 and I looked down at verse 4 and I read, Behold, I'm going to loose you this day from the chains which were upon you. And, you know, that is really the condition of the remnant. You know, we've all been burdened with you know, the things that maybe were just a necessary part of our lives, you know, the, the stress and the burden and the toil of work and, and you know, just dealing with every challenge and then the afflictions and the, the, the warfare of the enemy, the fiery darts, and, you know, a lot of which has, in recent times, comes through those that are closest to us. This is the hour Jesus talked about when your enemies are in your own house. You know, your own brothers coming against you, daughters coming against their mother, sons against their father, or fathers now opposing their sons because the spirit of light and the spirit of darkness are just being separated, and everybody's got to make a choice. You know, which side are you going to stand on? And most people have chosen the side of deception. They don't really know that they're advocating for the dragon. They just think they're the reasonable one. And we're extreme. But there's no doubt that the children of the flesh are persecuting the sons and daughters of the Spirit. And, and you know, I really rejoice to know that the Lord is about to remove the burden and the oppression and the bondage off of the lives of his remnant ones. Amen. Praise God. You know, that day is coming soon. So let's deal with the church of Laodicea, where if they don't come out of this deception, the burden upon them will be made even stronger. And so I'm reading from Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write... These things saith the Amen, full and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, what a testimony of the attributes of Jesus. Jesus Christ is speaking of himself, and he says, I am the Amen of God. Of course, Amen means it is truth. And Jesus is testifying, I am the truth of God, and I'm also the faithful and the true witness of God. And Jesus is also the beginning of the creation of God. And Jesus himself, being the creator, is the origin and the source of all things. And so the creation began with Jesus. This is his authority to speak to the church of the Laodicean. And he says to them, because you say... And there were three things the Laodicean people were saying about themselves. This was their self-assessment. They had searched their hearts. They had judged their own life. And we are admonished in Scripture to judge ourselves and to search our hearts and to test and, and judge the works of our lives. And if we judge ourselves, we will not be judged so says the scripture. But that is assuming that the judgment is true, that we use the plumb line of truth, not the lines of emptiness. 
lines of confusion to make misjudgments of ourselves, which is what the Laodiceans had done. But the Lord said to the Laodicean people, because you said, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. The Laodiceans had literally reduced their entire judgment of their spiritual condition to the riches and the prosperity and the things that they had in the flesh. They were really, without maybe acknowledging it, they had embraced the prosperity doctrine. We have prosperity. We are rich. We are increased with goods. We've got two cars in the garage. We've got a big house full of needless and soon-to-be worthless things. And we need nothing in terms of the things of Babylon. They had everything of the flesh, and therefore they thought they had everything that they needed. We need nothing. But the Lord rebuked them for five things for which they were found wanting. And he says, you know not that you are wretched. And the word means hideous, filthy. And you are miserable. It means pitiful. Think of Skid Row in Los Angeles, full of mentally ill, drug-addicted people living in absolute squalor in the filth human filth and, and discarded heroin needles and all of the diseases of the dark ages coming back to life because of the, the terrible, miserable, pitiful living standards of these people that, were, that are being, they're, they're suffering in abject poverty. Imagine if those people in Skid Row considered themselves wealthy and in need of nothing. They would be delusional. That's a spiritual picture of the church of Laodicea. They're living in skid row in the spirit. They're wretched. They're miserable. They're pitiful. And God said, and you are poor. And the word means you're a beggar. You're a beggar with leprosy and rags. And it also means a pauper and distressed. You're in great distress. And then the Lord said, you are blind. And the word in that text for blind, it means you're physically blind, but it also means you're mentally ill. You can neither see nor think clearly. Madness has taken you along with blindness so that you don't see nor can you understand the wretchedness of your condition. These people had literally lost their spiritual discernment. Mentally, spiritually speaking, they were mentally Ill. They equated the wealth of Babylon with the things of the kingdom of God, and they were hardened to the truth of the gospel. And so God said, you're blind physically, and you're mad. You've, you've literally been turned over to madness spiritually. And you are naked. You're spiritually naked. No doubt the Laodiceans wore the finest clothes. They dressed like kings for the wealth that was in their hand. But spiritually, they were literally naked, and their shame was uncovered. Even though they couldn't see it, their shame before the Lord remained. They were the generation of 
people whose eyes were lifted up, but they are not yet delivered from their sin. Proverbs 30 talks about these people. I want to just jump there real quick because it's, a, it's another reflection into the Laodicean era. Proverbs 30, verse 12, there is a generation that are pure in their own eyes. They're in need of nothing. We've got everything we need, yet they are not washed from their filthiness. You're wretched, you're filthy, you're unclean, you are living in your sin. And if you die in your sin, you will not live with him. Your place will be among the sorcerers and the liars and the devils for all of eternity. They are not washed from their sin. And yet they see no need. They, they think they have no need spiritually and they are on the road to eternal ruin. Proverbs 30, verse 13, there is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes, and their eyelids are lifted up, and it speaks of the pride of these people. They're exalting the fact that in their eyes, they need nothing. They are the greatest people on the earth. They have the greatest megachurch. You know, you, you hear them try to bring a word of correction or of teaching to these Laodiceans, and you know what they'll tell you? How many people attend your church? We have 25,000 who are blind, naked, and wretched, but they have no idea. They're all on the wide road to destruction. There's a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth. Their words will cut you. Even as they are convinced of their own righteousness, they will shred anyone dares to challenge or question their preeminent position both in the church and in the nation. You know, it's interesting that Proverbs 30 goes on in, in verse 15 and it says the horse leech, which is a leech, has two daughters saying, give, give. And these things that are never satisfied, four things that are never enough, the grave, the barren womb, the earth that's not filled with water, and the fire that says, that never says it's enough. Well, it's a picture of socialism. Give us free medical care. Give us free housing. We need free heroin, free heroin needles. And, you know, let us continue in our sin and our wickedness and don't even question the worship of these devils. And now they're putting up satanic images next to a menorah, in a Christian worship scene under the guise of freedom of religion that exalting the satanic. And while corporate America suppresses all truth, they promote books evangelizing children into Satanism. This is the generation of his wrath. And so the Lord in rebuking the Laodiceans, he said, I counsel you, buy from me gold that has been tried in the fire, gold that has already been tested, gold that has been purified, that you might be rich. See, the riches that the Laodiceans have, it's all going to burn quite quickly now. It's all going to burn, and then, then they will find out how much true poverty they were in. The Lord counseled them to buy gold. You know, Frank, I think about how quickly this is really all going to burn. 
and you know we've known that the Lord would judge the earth with fire, and you know that's a phrase we're all familiar with. We've been Christians for a while. It's all going to burn, but you know, eventually a day would come when it's actually going to burn, and you know you're going to watch the smoke of its rising. And you know, I think of the the lateness of the hour, and, and recently there was a a Washington D.C. think tank called the Rand Corporation, sort of a Illuminati think tank, and they ran a series of war game scenarios looking at what would be the likely outcome if the United States was ever to go to war against Russia and China together. And every scenario that they ran, the result was the same. The utter destruction of the U.S. military and the United States of America. And they described the outcome in two words. A gruesome annihilation. Utterly destroyed. Utterly ruined. Man. And all of it burning. And so all of this wealth that the Laodiceans are looking at, I mean, they've got their BMW or their Mercedes and you know, they've got the million-dollar homes, and they've got the diamonds, and they've got the pearls, and they've got the cup of the wealth of Babylon in their hand. Frank, it's going to burn. Yeah. It's going to burn and, in one uh, day. Benjamin, those that are really worried about investing in precious metals, don't worry. They'll be throwing it in the streets. So you can have all the silver you want. It'll be thrown out in the streets because it will be worthless, according to the Word of God. Yeah, and your gold will be removed. Yeah. So at some point they're going to take the gold from you. So don't worry if you don't have any. It's one less thing to lose. And yeah, the silver won't even be worth carrying around. Because what are you going to buy with it anyway? I mean, that's what I never really understood. You know, the people that that thought, you know, if I store up silver for the last days, you know, I'm going to be able to to do what? When it's a gruesome annihilation and the whole country is burned what are you going to, you know, who wants your gold or your silver nobody here would want it it's one less, why would you want to carry it with you they just got to take it from you at the first checkpoint but anyway, back to the Laodicean nation the Lord is counseling them to buy gold that was tried in the fire that gold could be purchased without money that you may truly be rich. And he's talking about things of the Spirit. And then he says, and white raiment, you know, white garments, that you might be clothed with the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus, that the shame of your nakedness would not appear, that your sin and, and, and the wickedness that we've all done, there's not one of us that is without sin. I mean, when we really, you know, we tend to deny our own you know, maybe we don't deny it, but we don't see it for what it is. We don't really see as clearly as the Lord sees. We don't realize how truly wicked the sin is that is within all of us. We rationalize, we minimize, we deny, we blame shift. We do everything under the sun to avoid the ultimate judgment which is that we are totally guilty, every last one of us. But the Lord is saying, repent, come and buy the gold in the fire, and buy clean garments from me that you may be clothed. 
that your nakedness, your sin, your guilt would not appear. And anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. God will heal the eyes of the people who come out of this deception. As many as I love, the Lord said, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. That's his admonition to the Laodicean nation. Become zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come into him and sup with him and he with me. And the Lord is picturing or is presenting himself as literally being outside of the congregation of Laodicea. He's not even in the church. He's standing outside the church, knocking on the door, wondering if anybody will come out with him and go with the Lord outside the camp. Because the Laodicean church is the church of the outer court, and the Lord has already left the building. And he continues, and he says, To him that overcomes will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I overcame, and sat down with my Father in his throne. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Think about that for a minute. The Lord is presenting an offer. He's presenting a challenge and a promise of reward to each one who comes out of the Laodicean deception. If you are able to overcome And, of course, we can't do that in our own strength. But we have to cooperate in the Lord if we want to overcome through the power of God in our own lives. If we are victorious in overcoming the world, the flesh, that is our own flesh, and the devil that is about to be released from his prison, we will be given the right to sit with Jesus in his throne. And he says, even as I overcame, and sat down with my father in his throne. He that has an ear, let him hear. I mean, what a challenge, and what a reward. And who will find it? Who will rise to this challenge to overcome even as Jesus overcame? And to sit down in the very throne that Jesus sat down upon. And how did Jesus overcome? Well, he certainly did it with the full commitment of his life. The Lord held nothing back. And, you know, the Laodicean church is kind of the opposite. You know, I think Laodicea is kind of, it it reminds me of the word lazy-decea. They're lazy, do you see them? The Laodicean church is, is slothful. They're laid back. They're in need of nothing. You know, they're going to go to their Super Bowl party after church, right? These are people that are sitting in church looking at their clock. They can't wait to get back out and pursue the things of Babylon. And their commitment to the things of God is, is, you know, skin deep. They give more lip service than actual service to the Lord. I call them the lazy Laodiceans. And they're contrasted in Scripture with the zealots who actually repent. Because the Lord said, be zealous, become a zealot. 
and repent of all of this Laodicean nonsense and all of this deception. God himself is full of zeal. He is. The Lord is intense. I mean, God's amazing. And he, his peace is everlasting. You know, the peace of the Lord passes understanding. But at the same time, you know, God's never out of balance. God is also the most zealous person ever. Jesus said the zeal for your house is... It consumes me. The zeal for the things of God was a fire inside of Jesus that consumed his very life, and it took him all the way to the cross, and it took him to the place where he laid his very life down, a burnt offering to his God. God himself is full of zeal, and so was Jesus. I think of the book of Kings, uh, chapter 19. Out of Jerusalem shall go forth a remnant, and they that escape will come from Mount Zion, and the zeal of the Lord of hosts shall do this thing. God's going to save a remnant because he is jealous for his name, and he's full of zeal for his house. In Psalm 69, this is the psalm that, that Jesus quoted when he drove the money changers out of the temple. He said, I've become a stranger unto my brethren and an alien unto my mother's children, for the zeal of thy house has consumed me, and the reproach of them that reproached thee, O Lord, have come upon me. When I wept and chastened my soul with fasting, it was my reproach. When I made sackcloth my garments, I became a proverb to them. And they that sit in the gates speak against me, and I am the song of the drunkards. The Laodicean, the compromised, the, the slothful ones, they mocked the zealots of the Lord. And, and notice, he's really describing the lifestyle of the Nazarene. I've become a stranger to my brethren. I've been separated from my brethren. I'm an alien to my mother's children. I'm an alien to my own family because the zeal of God has consumed me and they can't stand having me around because for them, it's all about the things of Babylon and we just don't mix and they don't want to hear what's in my heart and I can't bear to hear what's on their lips. It grieves me. Even as Lot was grieved in Sodom. And so the remnant, the compromised, have to be separated. The devoted remnant who serve the Lord are contrasted with the slothful and the foolish virgins who serve their own bellies. While they their entire focus absorbed on the things of the flesh. And, you know, the foolish virgins they're so blinded that they've actually deceived themselves. When God calls the people to fasting and prayer, all they do is make excuses. Well, I, I, I'm hypoglycemic. I, I can't fast and pray. I'm too thin. I can't lose any more weight. Or I'm, you know, diabetic or, or whatever. You know, and the truth is that corporate product that they eat that they call food is actually poisoning them. And Amen. The, most powerful, the most powerful therapy is fasting and prayer. 
and there's no one who has ever been injured by obeying the Lord. It's not possible that if you obey your God, something bad would come upon you. It can't happen, because the Lord will not allow it to happen. But nevertheless, the people of compromise always find a reason why they can't do the things God called them to do. Whereas the remnant of God, when they hear the commandment of the Lord, their response is to ask the Lord, well, how do you want me to do this? Not provide an excuse for why they can't. You know, the remnant is pictured by, by several of the famous characters of, of Scripture. King David, the beloved of the Lord, is a picture of the remnant. Joseph is a picture of the remnant. Daniel is a picture of the remnant. The beloved of the Lord are contrasted in this generation. The remnant of God are the beloved of the Lord, and they are contrasted with the other group that are called the generation of his wrath. You know, using David as an example, to say that David, whose name means the beloved one, was devoted to the Lord would be an understatement. David was a zealot of zealots for the things of God. If you look at his own writings, his own testimony, David put the Lord first in all of his ways. You know, in the Laodicean church, it's all about the people. The name Laodicea actually means the church of the common people or the church of many opinions. It's a church where, where men rule. The Laodicean church is actually being ruled by men and not by God. And in that Laodicean church... It's really a church of complete confusion because every man is trying to do what is right in his own eyes. The name literally means the church of the common people or a church of many opinions. And the doctrines and the lifestyle of the people within the church of Laodicea are filled with error and compromise. But the people are blind to their own deception because their prosperity in the flesh persuaded them, it convinced them that they must also be blessed of the Lord in the Spirit. But we, we know from the revelation and the rebuke of Jesus that they are wretched. They're not blessed at all in the Spirit. Actually, they're spiritually dead. And if they don't repent, the end for many of them will be eternal destruction. And so the Lord rebuked them, and he said, As many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. Yet the church of Laodicea has not yet repented. And rather, the shame of their nakedness is about to be uncovered. And the sins of their compromise, they are about to be judged. And rather than repenting, most Laodicean believers today are now hardened in their sins convinced by their teachers that the grace of God is sufficient to cover all of their rebellion and compromise. But these teachings did not come from the Lord. Rather, they came forth through the minds and the imaginations of men, who themselves are the deceivers sent by the enemy. And they've turned the mercy of God into a license for sin 
And the scripture calls this lasciviousness. And that is exactly what is found in the generation of, of Laodicean believers. How is it possible for Satan to so deceive an entire generation of Christians that most of them, when the truth is finally revealed, will have been found among the Laodicean churches. How did America abandon her legacy as a Christian nation? And how could the majority of the churches trade their birthright in the Spirit of God for a bowl of Laodicean lentil soup? How, how is this even possible? Well, in reality... It was easy. It was actually natural. All the enemy had to do was get the people to turn from worshiping the Lord in the Spirit to the solical worship of the flesh. And from there, the lying spirits had a field day. And then the doctrines of demons spread everywhere. And alongside the deceptions, the people became hardened against the truth. So they were no longer even able to endure sound doctrine. And so today, in the last days, churches of America, they're persuaded, they're hardened, they're absolutely convinced that the teachings and the traditions of men have set them free. But the level of compromise and wickedness we're seeing in the churches today would have been impossible to imagine even one generation ago. And I don't need to recount for you the sin, the absolute, the abominations that are now accepted in these Laodicean churches where everything and anything goes. And yet the people still think they're following the Lord. It's astonishing to me. I mean, who could have believed this report? Right, Frank? I mean, could, could you have believed it? Honestly, I find it almost incomprehensible. It's sad. It's, it's terrible. David represents the remnant, the beloved of the Lord, and, and they're coming out of it. And w the one thing that was the hallmark of David is he put the Lord first. You know, in Psalm 122, uh, we read, Give thanks unto the name of the Lord, for there are set thrones of judgment, and these are the thrones of the house of David. David's commitment to the Lord was so absolute that he became the anointed king who... The throne of God in Israel bears the name of David. Even Jesus himself sits on the Davidic throne. How much did the Lord want to honor David for his commitment to his God? In Psalm 132, we read, Lord, remember David and all of his afflictions. 
and David suffered, all of the remnant have suffered. Everyone who learned obedience to the Lord had to learn through the suffering of the flesh. Because we only learn through our own experience. We can't learn from the wisdom of another. We learn from walking it out ourselves. But in Psalm 132, we, we read of David's commitment, how he swore unto the Lord a vow unto the mighty God of Jacob, saying, Surely I will not come into the tabernacle of my house. I will not go back to my house, nor will I go into my bed, and nor will I give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a habitation for the mighty God. David was more concerned about the Lord than he was his own welfare. He was more concerned about finding a house for the Lord than he was his own sleep, his own needs. Now we know ultimately David did everything he could to prepare for building the temple of the Lord, and, and, but God had reserved that work for Solomon. But, but here David is expressing his heart to us. It was in his heart to put the Lord first. Psalm 132, verse 6, we read, Lo, we have heard of this in Ephratah. Of course, Ephratah is another name for Bethlehem. We heard the prophecy of Bethlehem, that out of Bethlehem would come the ruler of Israel. And of course, Bethlehem is, is called the city of David. And it's where David was born. Of course, it's also the prophecy of the birth of Jesus, who is the true ruler of Israel. But as we know, prophecy is fulfilled twice. And so, coming out of Bethlehem, both Jesus, who will rule as king for eternity, but David as well, who was the ruler appointed by God in the natural, that came forth from Ephratah, and the word means fruitfulness. We heard of the truth of God from the place of fruitfulness. And we found it in the fields of wood. And that reference in Psalm 132, verse 6, to the fields of wood, is actually a reference to Kirjath-Jarim, which are the woods where they went looking for the wood to build the house of the Lord, the tabernacle of the Lord, for the Ark of the Covenant, in the very early part of David's reign. And so here, you know, the reference to the the beginning of the reign of King David. And in verse 11 of Psalm 132, we hear the Lord's response, and the Lord says, The Lord has sworn in truth unto David, and he will not turn from it. Out of the fruit of thy body will I set upon thy throne. And if your children will keep my covenant and my testimony that I shall teach them, their children shall also sit upon thy throne forevermore. Of course, we know this was fulfilled through Jesus, who's the son of David. But as Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3, if we will overcome, it will be fulfilled in us as well. And that is simply incredible to consider. Psalm 132, verse 13, For the Lord has chosen Zion. He made a vow to David. He has desired it for his habitation. And this is my rest forever, says God. This is where I choose to dwell, for I have desired it, and I will abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread, 
I will clothe her priests with my salvation, and her saints shall be filled with shouts aloud for the joy. And here I will make the horn of David to bud. The horn represented the power or the strength of the covenant of King David. And God said, I'm going to make it bud. I'm going to bring it alive. It's going to flower, and it's going to bring forth seed, and it's going to grow. For I have ordained a lamp for my anointed. Of course, the lamp of God is Jesus. He's the burning lamp that is the light unto our feet. And he's been ordained by God unto each of the chosen ones. God said, In their enemies I will clothe with shame, but upon himself shall his crown flourish. Those who overcome will receive a crown, and it will be blessed. Hallelujah. The remnant are also pictured by the double portion that was granted unto Joseph. And in Genesis 49, we read the prophecy of Jacob to each of his sons, and the prophecy of Joseph, and, and in many ways Benjamin, really are a prophecy to the remnant at the end of the age. And of course, Joseph and Benjamin were complete brothers of Rachel, their mother, who was the beloved wife. And so they're a picture of the beloved remnant that is the tr- they're the offspring of the true wife, the beloved wife of the Lord. And we are told in Genesis 49, verse 22, Joseph is a fruitful bow, even a fruitful bow by a well, whose branches run over the wall. You know, and Joseph, as a picture of the remnant, is pictured as a branch. And he was the prudent one who gathered the fruit of the land of Egypt, through which the lives of his, of his people and his family were saved. In these last days, the fulfillment of this type of Joseph that represents the remnant of God, this fulfillment of provision and salvation, it will come forth in the way of the Spirit, even as Joseph was prospered and, and intervened in history in the natural, stockpiling grain and and being made the ruler over Egypt in the natural, so those of the Joseph ministry are going to be promoted by the Lord in the Spirit. And they will bring forth the abundance of the provision of God through the Spirit, intervening to, to save the remnant around them, even as Joseph was used to save his brothers in the ancient days. And Joseph received a double blessing, a twofold blessing, and he actually became two tribes. He burst the bonds of any of the original twelve brothers. Both Ephraim and Manasseh are attributed to him. So he he received a double portion, and of his lineage, two tribes actually are the children of Joseph. And Jacob goes on and and laments to to the price that Joseph paid for the position that he was granted by the Lord, saying the archers have sorely grieved him, and they shot at him because they hated him. But his bow abode in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hand of the mighty God of Jacob. This is Genesis 49:23. This prophecy looks back at the history of Joseph's life. He was the champion who was attacked by a host of archers. They vexed him. They shot at him. And in every way, they played the part of the enemy against him. 
Joseph's brethren sold him into slavery. And later the Egyptians sentenced him falsely into prison. These were the real-world manifestations of the arrows that Jacob was prophesying about. The metaphor also refers to the bitter speeches, the harsh words that were, they railed against him often. They hated him. They could not speak peacefully to him at all. Thus, his own brethren sorely afflicted him. They afflicted him, and they were constantly chiding him and finding fault with him. His brethren who grieved him with their bitter words, they grieved him because they hated him for his dreams and because of his father's great love for him. So they could not speak peacefully to him. Rather, they mocked him. They conspired to kill him. They stripped him of his clothes. They threw him into the pit, and then they sold him to the Midianites. Twenty pieces of silver. In all of this, he was a type and a foreshadow of the ministry of Jesus Christ. Even after his promotion, no doubt that the political elite of Egypt envied him for his superior knowledge and for the power that had been put into his hand. But Joseph continued strong. His arms were upheld by the everlasting arms of the God of his father and the mighty one of Jacob strengthened Joseph. And so Jacob went on and prophesied, even by God of thy father who shall help thee and by the Almighty who shall bless thee with the blessings of heaven above. And Jacob goes through a, a list of amazing blessings. And this is really quite a picture of the blessings that are coming forth upon the remnant in this time where the scripture says it'll be very well with the remnant you will receive the blessings from heaven above and the blessings of the deep that lies under blessing of the breast and the blessing of the womb the blessing of your father having prevailed above the blessing of your progenitors unto the utmost bound of the everlasting hills joseph's blessing went until eternity and these shall be upon the head of Yosef, and on the crown of the head of him that was separated from his brethren. You know, in the blessings of the deep, one of the things the scripture talks about is how deep crieth out unto deep. And it's more than a metaphor. It talks about wisdom that is found in the deep places of the earth. When you pass through deep trials, when you've gone into the deep darkness and you've been in the intense fire and you've found those deep places in your own heart, there is a, a blessing that comes forth out of the purging fire and deep cries out to deep. And that blessing resonates with deep wisdom and deep knowledge and deep appreciation for the deliverance of the Lord and a deep fear of Almighty God that causes us to obey, causes us stand in awe of our God and through the deep reverence that the fires of Joseph and the fires of the remnant have forged in all of us we are accounted the favor of Almighty God and with it comes the blessings that have prevailed the blessings that will overtake us even blessings that, that reach as far as the everlasting hills and they're coming upon the head of the remnant even as they came upon the head of Joseph, they're coming upon the crown on the head of him that was separated from his brethren. And that word in that verse for separated 
is Nazir, and it is the root word of the word for Nazarene, or for a Nazarite. And it means the one that is separated and consecrated as a prince, the one who is given a crown, the one who is overcome, and who will be granted the right to sit on the throne with the Lord. And the crown is placed on the crown of the head, the same words used by Jacob in the blessing for the tribe of Joseph. And it also echoes forth to the end of the age, to the blessings that will come upon the remnant of God, but not so the Laodiceans, unless they are to repent. Unless they are to repent, they will never wear the crown. If they are saved through the fire, they will be saved as it were with the smell of smoke on their garments. And why did they choose to lose all things spiritually in order to enjoy the full pleasures of Babylon. What a deception. Truly they were blind. Truly they were spiritually ill. God distinguished his remnant even as he distinguished Joseph who was separated as a Nazarite. And so too the remnant has been separated. The Laodiceans, they've got the mega churches and they're popular. Even the world loves them. Because in many ways they are of the world. Not so the remnant of God. We are the separated ones. We're like the Jews of the modern era. And the world hates us. The church hates us. Our own families many times we are hated. Because we've been separated by God. Consecrated as princes unto the Lord. We've been distinguished from our brethren. Not only by the persecution and the hatred that we've received by the suffering and the deep sorrow that accompanied the portion that was granted to these remnant saints. And those of you who have walked through that valley of dry bones with me, you know, you know the meaning of these words. You know the, the pain of the night of darkness. You, you know what it, you know what it felt like to walk through those years of fire, of rejection, false accusation, abandonment, all of these used to separate Joseph, to bring him to the end of himself before the day of his rising among the people. Ultimately, he would be distinguished from his brethren by his elevation to extraordinary dignity and preeminence to where he alone would be the governor who had the rod of authority in his hand and the crown of the king upon his brow so the promised blessings came upon the head of Joseph both as a crown to adorn him and as a helmet to protect him and Joseph was separated from his brethren for a time during which he was a Nazarite set apart from them and he was called to a more excellent to more excellent role, a more excellent walk with the Lord. So too today the remnant has been called out of the churches of compromise. And though the Laodiceans they, they dwell in the pleasures of Babylon and in their riches of the of the things of this world, the Nazarenes have been through the fire, the remnant have been through the fire, prepared for the time of their rising. And Deuteronomy 33, 
and I'll, I'll wrap this up over the next uh, few minutes. Frank, I assume we can go just a little bit over. Go ahead, brother. Are we good time-wise? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, okay, good. Um, Alice, want to just touch briefly on Deuteronomy 33, which are the prophecies of Moses. They also shed light on the prophecy of the remnant. And Moses in verse 13 says, And of Joseph, Moses said, Blessed of the Lord be his land, for the precious things of heaven, and for the dew, and for the deep that crouches beneath. Again, Moses referencing the deep things of God that were reserved for the remnant, and for the precious fruits that would be brought forth by the sun, and the precious things put forth by the moon, the things of the Spirit, the moon representing Israel. You know, the, the things of this earth don't grow at night under moonlight, but the things of God are revealed through the revelation of Israel and through the revelation of the things of God, which are governed by the calendar based upon the moon, the calendar of God, the precious things of God have been reserved for the remnant and for the chief things of the ancient mountains, the most important things from the revelation of ancient times and for the precious things of the everlasting hills and the precious things of the earth and the fullness thereof and for the good will all of this God fashioned together blessing upon blessing, every blessing you could possibly desire, God's pouring it out upon Joseph. And he says, upon him that dwelt in the bush, and let the blessings come upon the head of Joseph, and upon the top of the head of him who was separated from his brethren. And that word in the original Hebrew, to dwell in the bush, it's it's the word sene in Hebrew, and it actually means to be pricked, to be pierced by a thorn. Think of the crown of thorns. That was a crown from the bush. It means the place of thorns or a thorn bush. Joseph's life was full of hardship and suffering. He dwelt in a place of thorns. And everywhere he turned, he was pricked and poked. And from his own family to the harshness of slavery to the harshness of prison, Joseph basically knew one thing, a road of suffering, a trial of fire, separation from, every, from everything that he knew, everything that he loved, and to the utter emptying out of his soul. It talks about his feet being kept in fetters of iron, and the iron merged into his soul, and in him God forged a faith made of iron and a commitment to the Lord that could not waver. And then when he was utterly purified in the place of thorns, then he was lifted up and the crown placed on his head. His glory is like the first ling of his bullock, and his horns like the horns of a unicorn. And with them he shall push the people together to the ends of the earth. And my opinion, my witness is that's a prophecy to the end of the age. And that Joseph represents similitude of the remnant that will be given authority in the time that is ahead. And there are the ten thousands of Ephraim and the thousands of Manasseh. The blessings that were sent on the top of the head of Joseph, where the crown would be bestowed. And What's really amazing, this word for the top of his head is kadoch. Kad yeah, it's kakod. Pardon me. 
and it means the crown of the head, where the head is crowned. This word, though, this is really fascinating. This word also translates in Scripture as to the east, beyond the Jordan, to the unknown place in the wilderness of Jordan. And that is where the crown was earned. That is where Jesus first overcame the flesh after fasting for 40 days in the east, in the wilderness of Jordan. The Lord was prepared to receive the anointing without measure, the crown of the Holy Spirit. So, too, the remnant must pass through their time in Jordan if they ever hope to rule and reign with him who says, If you overcome as I have overcome, I will grant unto you the right and the authority to sit with me in my throne. But this is not a gift given to those who did not pay the price. And it is the antithesis of what will be given to the Laodiceans who refuse to become zealous and repent from all of their wickedness. And just close with a verse from Psalm 42, dealing with the wilderness of Jordan. And I, God gave me this verse when I was in the wilderness of Jordan. And I was in probably, well, the midst of one of the most painful trials and burnings of my life. And, and I, God had sent me to Israel, and then and the Spirit had led me on to the wilderness of Jordan. And it was there that my life was literally just torn to the ground. And I couldn't sleep. I was literally, I mean, I was awakened. You know, when you're going through those really intense fires where you've been burned by the Lord, He's burned your feet in the fire, and you've, you've suffered the loss of, you know, all things. You've suffered the loss of a child. You've suffered the, the loss of a, of a relationship. You, you've suffered the loss of things that you loved, and you've, you know, you're grieving. The pain strikes to the very heart of your soul. And, you know, you can't sleep because you just, your heart is turned over in grief for the pain that you're experiencing. And, and that was me in Jordan at about 4 o'clock in the morning, standing outside, looking over the city of Aqaba. And I opened my Bible, and it just flipped open to Psalm 42, and I read, started reading in verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? that is exactly what I was. I was cast down, and I was totally disquieted, and I was grieving my very life. And the scripture read, Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Oh, my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember you from the land of Jordan of the Hermonites and from the hill of Mitzarna. Here I'm reading this verse, and it's like, this is like the reality of my life, and I'm standing in the wilderness of Jordan. Deep calleth unto deep, at the noise of thy water spouts. And God's sword was going deep into my soul that night, and all of his waves and his billows had gone over me, yet the Lord commanded his loving kindness. And in the day that is coming, and in the night that shall be the great tribulation, his song shall be with me, and my prayer shall forever be unto the God of my life. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, God ordained Joseph as a testimony 
for the deliverance and the salvation of God and for the authority that would ultimately be given to the people of God who would pay the price, who would endure the sorrow and the suffering of the purging of the Lord and would remain faithful to the Lord. And in due time, they will be lifted up. I'll leave you with Genesis 42, verse 6. And Joseph became the governor over all of the land, and it was he that sold the people of the land. Joseph sold the people into slavery, even as he had become a slave and was now the governor by the authority of God. The famine that came ultimately resulted in the people having to sell themselves into slavery. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. And they told him, saying, they told Jacob in verse 26, saying, Joseph is yet alive, and he is now governor over the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. And so, too, the remnant will be yet alive at the end of the tribulation. And they will have been given authority to rule and reign with the Lord in the time that is ahead. Now, and I can only hope and pray that some of our families that are still part of the Laodicean deception will be able to come out of it even as Jacob came out of the land of Canaan in the time of famine. And even though, and as Joseph's entire family was delivered, and oh, it's my hope and my prayer that those of us who are in the remnant, that our families too will be delivered and will be able to be with us in that day. Well, God bless you guys. I hope that was a blessing to you. We definitely all need to be zealous and repent because the time is at hand. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Folks, it's not over. God has a work, and yes, we do see the church of Laodicea. It's all around. But the good news is God's calling you. God's calling you to something different, something better, another way. And just those, maybe these trials, these bad times you've been going through, God is preparing you. Because there's no soldier that goes to war that it's not until he has been tried in war that he knows how to act when the pressure comes and the heat comes. Anybody in the military will tell you they'll take that old crusty sergeant any day in the heat of the battle instead of that you know, second lieutenant who thinks he's so smart but he's never been tried in the fire. God is trying his people. And what's coming out of these trials, it's not ugly and harm. It's beauty. It's beautiful. And it's pure gold without any dross. And it's not only is it beautiful to the Lord, but it'll be a witness unto others. Brother Benjamin, thank you for the tonight, um, especially for the contrast between the two, because there is a decision which one you want to be a part of. And I'm choosing the remnant church, the one that the right. Lord is a part of. Folks, right. listen. This country is not getting better. Since Donald Trump has come into office, I know he was so many people's savior, abortion is at the worst it's ever been. Now we can kill them up to when they're ready to come out of the womb. Homosexuality has just continued to explode. More people coming in through the country than ever before. It's out of control. What is getting better? Nothing except the deception. The only thing that seems to matter, Benjamin is the prosperity, the economy, more money in my pocket. Who cares about the wickedness, folks? It's time to wake up. This is the end time. 
There will come a day that the warnings will stop. You won't be able to go on YouTube and catch the latest remnant call anymore. There will come a day when it will be over and it will be you and the Lord. And you've got to have him in his word within you. Brother Benjamin, thank you so much. God bless you and everything you're doing. We're looking forward to hearing about your book. Do you have a projection of when this thing will be ready to release? I'm hoping maybe like two weeks. You know, I'm I'm working as diligently as I can, and I want it done as quickly as possible, but I'm thinking it's probably about two weeks out. Okay, brother, when you're ready to release, we're going to talk about it here. Folks, if you've not read any of Brother Benjamin's books, this is not your you know, five keys to a better you. This is life-changing stuff here. This is deep, soul-searching writings coming from the heart of brokenness with a word of deliverance. And so, folks, you need to check out Brother Benjamin's books. Just go on with the Day of the Lord, with the Search the Scripture series. And, and brother, this is a continuation, correct, of that series. Uh, yeah, this would be volume four. The first volume was called Out of the Darkness. Second was You Shall Know the Truth. And the third is The Remnant Shall Return. And volume four is I Am the Door. And really the titles are the message of God's deliverance and salvation of his people because it starts with us coming out of the darkness. And once we've come out of the darkness, we then are ready to learn the truth. And once we learn the truth, it's time to return to the Lord. And when you decide, hey, I need to return to the Lord, you need to figure out that Jesus is the only doorway in. And, and I don't know what Volume 5 is going to look like, but I'm sure excited once I get done with Volume 4. I think we're going right to work on Volume 5 because the rest of the volumes need to come forth immediately. And I would just make one comment to our listeners. If you have never read the book Out of the Darkness, you absolutely should get yourself a copy, even if you don't have time to read right now, for two reasons. Number one, all of the Christian content is going to be deleted from the Internet in some near point in time. They're already deleting channel after channel of the, the larger voices that are out there. You know, Mike Adams' stuff was deleted, um, et cetera, et cetera. I don't want to name the other names. You guys know who I'm talking about. Well, it's going to get to the point where all of the Christian content will be deleted. And second, when the judgment finally hits, and believe me, a day is coming when it will hit, I would venture to guess that most of us will not sleep well that night. We will not be at peace. We will not be thinking, let's just go to bed. I would imagine the vast majority of the people who perceive that the judgment has finally now come will be up all night. And when you're up that first night of the judgment, it really would be a blessing if you had a copy of Out of the Darkness. I guarantee you, you would not put it down, and it will minister to you, and it will bless you, and it will equip you. And, you know, the, all of these messages that are on the YouTubes or on the Internet, they're going to be gone. And the only record that will be retained is the one that is written. You know, and the same thing happened with, with every other work that's been done over the history of this world. You know, if it was not recorded in written form, it was lost. And so I would just encourage you guys, get a copy of Out of the Darkness, because it really will bless you in the days that are ahead. Amen. God bless you. Brother Benjamin, God bless you. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. This is Brother Frank and Brother Benjamin on the Remnant Call saying good night and shalom. <laughs>